series that we've been looking at on January, or we're going to look at in January, we've done one Sunday, the five solas of the Reformation are the five solas of our belief as believers in Jesus Christ. They're basically these. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And we learn all of that through the Scripture alone. That's where we get our doctrine. The one we're going to look at this morning is faith. And as I began studying this week to, to get ready to, to do this morning, you know, I realized when you, when you decide you're going to do a sermon about faith, that's what the whole Bible's about. You know, the Bible starts with faith. Uh, the faith of Adam and Eve, the faith of Abel, the, the, uh, the faith of Noah. It starts with the, the faith of those early, early people in, in our world. And it just continues all the way through Scripture even until the end, even until the, the future, we believe, we have faith in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, but not only is it just a book about faith, faith belongs to every part of the Christian life. You know, it's how we receive Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. It's the way we become a Christian. But then when we become a Christian, it's how we live as a Christian. We live by faith. We walk by faith. It's how we face the future. It's how we face temptation. It's how we relate to others with faith. It's the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Scripture says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteous. Abraham was a righteous man, not because of the things that he did, but because he believed. Now, let, let me make this, we, we've talked about this before, but the word believe and the word faith are the same word. Uh, one's a noun and one's a verb. To believe is the verb faith, but in English we, just, we don't have any way to say faith as a verb. And so we say believe. Uh, and so that, that's, we have... We have faith. When we have faith in something, we believe in something. So Abraham had faith, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So in one sermon on this Sunday morning, I'm going to give you a complete lesson on faith. Not. That's not going to happen. I have to pick and, and choose. And, and, when we, and when we begin to look at something like this, a sermon like this, I can either get real theological. You know, I can be real theological. Or I can try to be real practical. Now, I'm not going to take a vote, but I assume, my assumption is, you'd rather me be practical than theological. So, because of that, I'm going to be theological. And No, 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 no. So, I'm going to, I'm going to look at faith in two parts. I'm going to look at it, first of all, that faith is for salvation. We're going to look quickly at Romans 3 and look at it just for a second. And then I'm going to talk about faith is for living. And we're going to take a look at part of the, the book of Hebrews 
chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 11, a little bit in chapter 11. Uh, those of us who are studying on Wednesday night have been studying Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, I think for a whole year, but you know, I have to go back and look. Uh, and we're in chapter 11, and, and basically it's how do you live by faith? How do you walk by faith? You know, Hebrews 1.1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Uh, that's how we live, by, by being assured that the things that God has promised are, are going to happen. But now when the Reformers looked at faith alone, the biggest emphasis by Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli and John Calvin and the other Reformers was about salvation. Salvation was by faith alone. We enter into the gates of heaven by the grace of God, and that is put into effect when we believe, when we have faith in God. You know, and there are a lot of churches, a lot of religions that teach that faith is important, but it's not alone. It also requires works. There are certain things you must do in order to be saved. There are certain things that you have to do in order to be made right with God. And whenever we would talk to somebody about their faith, and they would say, oh yeah, I believe in faith. We'd talk to them about grace, and they'd say, yeah, I believe in grace. My, my comment would always be, yeah, you believe in grace, you believe in faith, but do you believe in faith alone? Because they don't. You know, Catholics don't believe in faith alone. Mormons don't believe in faith alone. They believe in faith, but not alone. There are certain things that you have to do in order to have a right relationship with God. You know, you have to be baptized. You know, now, it's a good thing to be baptized. Uh, we're hoping to have a baptism service here in a, in a couple of weeks, right out here in front of everybody. It's going to happen. Uh, the baptismal is back here behind the table for those of you who can't see it. Uh, it, it and and, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's going to work. I'm, I'm confident. And it's important to be baptized. But it's not a requirement. You don't have to be baptized in order to be right with God. It's, it's not a requirement. There are those who believe that you have to belong to the right church. Guys, you don't have to belong to any church to be saved. It's good to belong to a church. You know, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for it. But it's not mandatory that you belong to a church in order to be saved. In Acts chapter 16, when the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Paul answered very simply, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He didn't say anything to them about baptism. He didn't say anything to them about church membership. He didn't say anything to them about the Lord's Supper. He didn't say any to, anything to them about uh, confession. or you know, He didn't say anything to them about that. Now, all of those things can be important. As a matter of fact, after they accepted Christ, they were baptized. Uh, but um, it's believing that affects our salvation. Uh, and, and when I say effects, I'm not saying effects, I'm saying effects. It's what puts it into effect. It's what makes it work. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Now make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you also stand, by which you are also saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So Paul is saying, here's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ saves us. And then he delivers the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred at one time, some of who are still alive, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So, so Paul is saying, this, this, is, this is the gospel. Folks, the gospel doesn't contain anything about churches, about baptism, about acts that we do in order to be saved. The gospel is what? Who, who, who's the only person working in the gospel? It's Jesus. Jesus. He was die. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. He appeared. What's our responsibility? Believe. To believe, to trust that, to have faith in that, and that's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was raised on the third day, and we're saved if we believe that. And as I said a minute ago, believe is the verb form for faith. And so anytime you read the word faith, it could be translated believe. Anytime you read the word believe, it could be translated have faith. Okay? They mean the same thing. And we can't add anything to faith. That's the, that's the topic of the solas. It's faith alone. It's only in faith that we are saved. Uh, there are some who say you're not saved until you're baptized. There are some who say... You can only be saved by belonging to their church. There are some others who add other things, all things that we do that make us fit for heaven. But in believing, what we believe is the gospel. And what is the gospel? Jesus died, Jesus buried, Jesus was resurrected. And if you believe, then you can be saved. Trevor Wax, in his book, This Is Our Time, Everyday Myths in the Light of the Gospel. And Barb, this, this relates to the prayer request that, that you made a minute ago. He said, our country is still faith-filled. It's just that today, our faith is misplaced. Too often, it's directed towards government, not God. And many of our frustrations come when we realize that our government cannot save us. One author says that much of the animosity in our culture today is because of this idolatry of government. Politics has become a religion. And when politics becomes a religion, then simple disagreements become apostasies or heresies. And you know what we've done with heretics? 
all throughout history. And guys, that's what we're seeing now. Our, our politics have become our religion. But salvation doesn't come in government. Salvation comes in believing in Jesus Christ, faith alone, in Christ alone, by what God did for us in grace alone, for the glory of God alone. And if you read scripture, that's what you discover. That's what you find. Now, I promised you a quick journey in the book of Romans because this is where Martin Luther went. This is where we find the grace, the, the uh, grace of God, the justification by faith. Uh, Paul writes, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through Jesus, through faith in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. So, so Paul just starts out, he says, he says, righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ for those who believe. There's, there's no distinction. Or it could say through faith in Jesus Christ for those who have faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, you have faith in order to be righteous. And then the verse that we're all familiar with, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We fall short of God's glory. But we are being justified, and to be justified means to be made right. We're made right with God as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Notice there's no work for us to do there. God gives it to us by his grace whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. The word propitiation, um, you know, you have to go to a systematic theology class and study all semester to even begin to word, understand the word propitiation. Uh, and I'm not sure I still remember what it means, but basically it means that Jesus Christ died for our sins. In other words, he died in our place through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You know, it's all about Jesus. It's all about trusting Jesus. It's all about what Jesus did. You know, it's Christ alone and we affect that by faith alone. And it's given to you by grace alone. For what? For the glory of God alone. And we learn it in the scripture alone. Isn't that simple? I mean, I'm taking all January to teach you what you already know. You know now, now, now you understand it. But Paul says in this passage, he says, the source of our justification is the grace of God. That was verse 24. We're justified as a gift by his grace. You know, we, we're, the ground of our justification is God's grace. The source of our justification is God's grace. The ground of our justification is what Jesus did. It's the work of Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. And the means of our justification the way we bring it about is faith. You know? 
probably the son. Cousin? No, it's Mark. It's Mark Soltis. <laughs> Texted me at 11.10 on Sunday morning. You know, that's the problem with using my phone, you know. You guys all know when somebody flub, when my friends flub up. You know, a couple of weeks ago it was my cousin. Today it's my best friend in Salt Lake City. Sheesh. He should be in church. Huh? He should be in church. He may be in church. That may be what the text is about. See, that just messes me up. Where were I? Looking at the word of God, we're saved through grace due to the work of Christ, and we activate it by our faith. Years ago, I was listening to a uh, radio talk show. Remember when they used to have radio talk shows? I guess some of you are still involved with radio talk shows. Um, but we have a satellite radio, so we're not involved with radio talk shows anymore. Um, but the host was talking about... Uh, when he he was talking about a quarterback, a Christian quarterback, it was Kurt Warner, so that gives you an idea how long ago it was. Uh, after Kurt Warner had won the Super Bowl, the I think it was with the Rams, they won the Super Bowl, and uh, the conversation was about how outspoken Christian, who was the quarterback of the Super Bowl winning team. And here was the question that the caller asked. The caller said, Why would Jesus help a Christian quarterback win the Super Bowl when he doesn't do anything to help the people in Chechnya and Russia and Rwanda who are starving and homeless? You know, that's a good question. And it's worth examining that question. But that's not what haunted me. What haunted me that day was the answer that the guy on the radio gave. Here's what he said. Because those people are not worthy enough for Jesus to help them. Then he said something that almost made me call a radio talk show. I never have done that before. And here's what he said. He said, you know, he said, Jesus has always been partial to winners. Look it up. I don't find any place in the Bible that says that. But that's what happens when we go to begin to think that God loves us for what we do. And we do good things. Or for who we are. We're good people. And that's why God loves us. Because we do good things and we're good people. But folks, God loves us in spite of who we are and what we do. God loves us because he's God. And we're saved by grace through faith. Not because of anything we do. Not because we're good people. Not because we're worthy. And not because we're winners. Because we're not. We're losers. But God loves us anyway. Okay, enough about all that. I I know that pretty much all of you know that. I know that when I said that, that disgusted you as much as it disgusted me when I heard it 20 years ago. Um, But faith stands in two worlds, now and tomorrow. It isn't just about being saved, it's about living. 
and, and the Christian is not only saved by faith alone, he or she also lives by faith alone. In Hebrews 11, the writer is given examples all through Hebrews 11. He's given examples of people who lived by faith. In chapter 1, he defined faith. He said, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old, and he's talking about Old Testament people. For by it the people in the Old Testament gained their approval. How did they gain their approval? They didn't gain their approval by sacrificing sheep and goat, oxen and goats. That's not how they gathered God's approval. They didn't gain God's approval by keeping the law. How did they gain God's approval? The writer of Hebrews says they gained it by faith. Faith alone. And then he says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that which is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And then he gives illustrations of people in the Old Testament who lived by faith. None of these people were perfect, understand. There's not a person listed in Hebrews 11 that was perfect. None of them. Except Jesus. But they lived by faith. And, and I want to read this to you. We talked about this on, uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, but um, in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, he said, These, and he's talking about the people that lived by faith in the Old Testament. He's talking about Abraham and Sarah and, and uh, Abel. And he's talking about um, uh, Noah and Noah's family. None of those people were perfect. You know, I, I could ask you, and you could all tell me something that each one of those did that, that was not perfect. But he's holding them up as examples of faith. And then he says, They all died in faith without having received the promises. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. The New American Standard says they were strangers and exiles on the earth. King James says they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The New International Version says they were aliens and strangers on the earth. And whatever you want to call them, they died without have receiving the promise. They lived expecting the promise of God to be fulfilled, but they did not receive it while they were alive. They dwelled in the land that God had promised them, but they never possessed the land that God promised them. You know, part, one of the promises that God gave was that uh, he would show Abraham a land that would belong to them. Another promise that he made is that Abraham's descendants would be uh, as, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. And they did, never, they, they did not receive that promise. They lived in the land... But the Canaanites were always there. They were always at war. They were always battling for that land. Even after Moses brought them back, you realize, you know, we, we talked about Moses leading them across the promised land back in the last year. But it, this was, our, our study last year wasn't about Moses. It was about the glory of God. But if we had continued on with the story, we would have seen that Moses never got to the promised land. You know that, right? 
He died never having got to where God had made his promise. He didn't get there, but he still lived by faith. They were not accepted by the people in the land. They were aliens. They were exiles. They were always at war with the Canaanites who were in the land. An exile is is someone who is not accepted as a member of the community. He's never given the privilege of calling himself a citizen. He's never being able to say that, that he belongs. In Hebrews 11.9, says, By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. Talk about Abraham. He lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. They were all heirs of this promise, of living in a promised land, but they never lived there. I mean, they did live there, but they never dwelt in their land. It wasn't their land. It belonged to the Canaanites. Uh, He says, by faith, he stayed as a foreigner. You know, and that's, that's the way with the church. The word for church in the New Testament is ecclesia. And the word ecclesia means to be apart from or to be called out from. And, and what it's saying is that we're to be called out from the world. We're here, but this is not our home. We're different from those who dwell in the land. You know, where there's antagonisms and hatred and vulgarity and suggestiveness and filth and cursing and blasphemy, that's not the church. We shouldn't be involved in that. We're called out from the world. We're here, but we're different from others. And you and I have a, have a problem with wanting to live in the world and still be part of God's world. And God says we're the ecclesia here. We're the called out. We're to be called out from the world. We're to be different. We're to be God's. And we're to dwell there by faith, even if it doesn't seem like it. That's the place that we're to dwell. When I was a kid, uh, we went to an organization called Royal Ambassadors. Uh, It was a a, a program for boys uh, in Baptist churches. And uh, I, I learned some scripture there. But one of the things that I learned there more than any other was a song. Uh, We sang this song, and it's in the hymnal, I think. It was in the hymnal back then. I don't know if it's still in the hymnal. But I'll I'll bet nobody in here has ever sang it unless you were a royal ambassador. Yeah, I'm I'm sure Mike sang it. It goes like this. I am a stranger here within a foreign land. My home is far away upon a golden strand. Ambassador to be of realms beyond the sea, I'm here on business for my king. And here's the message that I bring, a message angels fain would sing. O be ye reconciled, thus said my Lord and King. O be ye reconciled to God. That's who we are. We're strangers with a message to the people. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, the glory of God alone. 
Verse 11 says, they looked for a better country. They looked to a better country. They, they saw with faith, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. You know, in the last chapter of the book of Genesis, uh, Joseph, who the last time he had seen the promised land was from the bottom of a well when his brother sold him and he came across in, in, a, in a caravan to, to Egypt. And his, his, uh, his dying request was, when you go back to the land, he knew they weren't going to be in Egypt forever. When you go back to the land, take my bones with you. Bury me there. At least let my bones be buried there. In Moses, it starts talking about Moses in verse 27. It says, he saw the unseen. By faith, he led them out. You know, guys, these are things that you just can't understand apart from faith. That's why some people have so much trouble with the Bible. They, they don't look at it in faith. Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy in, first, in 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, for this reason I suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to guard that which I've entrusted to him against that day. Paul says, even though I'm in prison, even though I'm suffering these things, so what? I know whom I have believed, and God's going to take care of me in the end. I believe that. I trust that. It's more than just a doctrine. It's a way of looking at life. In verse 17 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and he was offering his unique son, the one that had been said about your seed will be traced through Isaac. But he considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, and as an illustration, he received him back. You see, you see what that says? It says, you know, God had promised to make the descendants of Abraham more than, than uh, the sky, more than the stars in the sky, in the night sky. And then God turned around and asked him, told him, commanded him to sacrifice Isaac. You know, God doesn't go around recommending people sacrifice their kids even when they're teenagers. You know, he doesn't expect us to sacrifice our kids. But he did Abraham. Why? Because that was the promise. Isaac was the one whom the promise was coming from. And it says Abraham was willing to do it. Why? Because he believed by faith that God could even raise Isaac from the dead. Now, that's strong faith. Verse 23, it says, By faith, after Moses was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since this his attention was on the reward. Now that passage, 23 
through 26 of, of Hebrews 11 is, is my favorite passage about grace, about faith. Because these remarks speak to where we're at. His remarks about Moses are incredible. Moses' story, when you read his story, he chose his own people over royalty. He could have been a king. He could have been a prince. He was a prince. He could have been possibly Pharaoh himself. But he chose God's people. Jennifer and I watched a movie this week. Uh, it's called Honest Thief. It's a Liam Nielsen movie, and it's just like a Liam Nielsen movie. Uh, he is a bank robber. Uh, he's robbed 11 or 12 banks. I don't remember. But uh, he's not robbing them because he needs the money. He has money, plenty of money. He's robbing them because he's mad at banks. Okay, And so he, he's got $9 million dollars. He's got $9 million stored in storage units. Um, and then he meets a woman who runs the storage units. And he falls in love, head over heels in love. But he knows that uh, he, he can never keep the $9 million and, and be a good husband to her. And so he calls the FBI and he agrees to give them the money back if they'll agree to give him just a short prison sentence, two years. So after the two years, he can marry this woman and go on with his life. So that one woman, being, being a part of her life, was worth $9 million to him. And, and not saying, I love you like a million dollars. He had the million dollars that he was going to give up. Well, that's the story of Moses. Moses is a man used to having servants, and now he's a sheep herder. It, it, according to his world and ours, his choice made no sense at all, but he chooses God's people. You know, our choice comes in the form of everyday decisions. But where do we put our priorities? God, I mean, Moses said, I choose God's way over the pleasures of sin. That's what verse 25 says. Uh, you know, we're tempted. We're tempted to do wrong. We're tempted to, to go after sin. We're tempted to go after pleasure. Uh, we know that we want something more than we have, and we're unsatisfied, so we'll take anything. Moses says, I'll choose to go with God's people. I pick God's people and living with God's people. Moses says, I would rather do without and obey God than have everything except God. That's what William Nielsen said. I'd rather not have $9 million and have nothing and have her than have her and nothing else. Yeah, I think I said that backwards, but you know what I mean. You know, believers in communist countries that we know about, you know, they know that they're breaking the law when they worship. But they would rather worship and have God than have peace and know God. The world just doesn't understand people who choose righteousness and choose God. Moses chose Christ over the world's treasures, it says. You know, the Egypt of that day, 
1,500 years before Christ, that was the mightiest nation in the world. It was the richest nation in the world. It was the breadbasket of the world. They shipped their grain all over the world. Have you ever heard of King Tut's tomb? Have any of you ever seen any of the treasures that came out of King Tut's tomb? Uh, in his tomb, they, they discovered his tomb, and in his tomb, it hadn't been broken into by robbers, and in his tomb, there were statues that were full size, human size, made out of solid gold. Uh, the, the gold out of the King Tut's tomb fills the whole second floor of the Cairo Museum. And here's the thing. Ken Tut died, I think, when he was nine years old. He was just a boy, and he had all that wealth. The king, the Pharaoh of Moses' day, was much, much richer than King Tut could have ever possibly have been. And Moses says, I give all of that up for the reproach of the Messiah to be with Jesus. Now that's faith. That's faith. Moses chose the way of the Messiah. Even at that point in time, he was only the promised one. He chose the promise of God over the treasures of Egypt because he believed the promise. And, and you know what? He died without receiving the promise. He didn't even get to go into the promised land. But he still chose that because he believed in God. He trusted God. He trusted in Christ. Moses had a decision to make and he drew a line in the sand just like we do. You know, here's the list. These are the th reasons I should do this and the reasons I shouldn't do this. And Moses made that list. Here I can be the son of a princess or I can live like a slave. Which one should I choose? Which one comes out best topped on my list? Should I choose the pleasures of leaving, living in Egypt or should I choose being ill-treated as a slave with the people of God? Should I take the treasures of Egypt or should I take the reproach of Christ? And Moses looked at both sides. Well, everybody can look at that and see that this side is more beneficial than this side in every way. And then Moses added in the reward in the future. And it totally tipped the scales the other way. Why? By faith. By faith. And folks, that's the way we live by faith. We put everything down, and then we choose God. And then we choose his way. You know, Hebrews eleven fifteen says, They were thinking... If they had been thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. In other words, they could have gone back to Egypt if they'd have been looking towards that. But they desired a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Uh, though Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, he was willing to do that because God was his promise. Though Moses was in trouble, and Israel wanted him to turn back, Moses said, no, I won't turn back. God required Abraham to be willing to give the most precious thing in his life. And when he was willing to do that, then God let him live. 
faith. Faith. Isaac, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, they never saw the promise. Now we have seen the salvation of God. It's ours. By faith, we believe in a better country. And we've had glimpses of it in Jesus Christ. And that's what keeps us going. Faith in God. I read about an optometrist in British Columbia who has invented a surgically implantable bionic lens. And I looked it up on the internet to see if it was available because it really sounded interesting, you know. Can I get that bionic lens? It gives a patient perfect vision. No more glasses. Glasses, contact lens, laser surgery would all be obsolete. Takes an eight-minute surgery to implant a bionic lens. And your eyesight would be perfect at once. Not only would it be perfect, it would be three times better than 2020. That sounds great, doesn't it? It's not available yet. That's why I was looking it up. But what the Bible says is that we need a faith lens as well. A lens that helps us to see with spiritual eyes that our physical eyes can't see. And all the heroes in chapter 11 of Hebrews, they were able to live by faith because they could see a city of faith that cannot be seen by physical eyes. We need to learn to do that every day. Choose the best by faith. Faith, it's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. By faith, we trust in Christ alone for our salvation. And by faith, we live with Christ alone in our lives. I hope I've encouraged you to live by faith. Don't just be saved by faith, but live by faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.